Welcome to the Refresh from Insider, presented by WebEx by Cisco. I'm Carrie Donahue, in for Dave Smith. And I'm Rebecca Barra. It's Tuesday, March 29th, and we're bringing you real-time news, fresh like live radio, but on demand like podcasts. Here's the latest. New records obtained by the January 6th committee show a seven-hour gap in former President Trump's phone logs. That's according to a report in The Washington Post. This is a big deal because the window covers the hours leading up to and during the Capitol riot, hours during which we know Trump spoke to allies like Kevin McCarthy and Mike Lee. Lawmakers are reportedly digging for a more complete record, including whether Trump used back channels like burner phones. Trump told The Washington Post he has no idea what a burner phone is. Talks between Russia and Ukraine are underway in Turkey. A possible ceasefire is on the table. The Kremlin spokesman said the discussions could be of great consequence, although fierce fighting continues in Ukraine. A Russian attack this morning in the southern city of Mykolaiv left a huge hole in the middle of a government building. At least 11 people are trapped, according to the area's governor. President Biden says he stands by an ad-libbed comment he made over the weekend that shook the diplomatic world. Speaking of Vladimir Putin and Warsaw, Biden said, For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. After days of confusion over whether that was a call for regime change in Moscow, Biden said this. I wasn't then, nor am I now, articulating a policy change. I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel, and I make no apologies for it. As reverberations from the slap stretch into day two, Will Smith addressed Chris Rock directly, hoping to turn Sunday night's Sorry Not Sorry into something a little more sincere. I'm sorry, man. That's audio from an old Fresh Prince episode, but you get the idea. Smith apologized on Instagram, writing, I am embarrassed, and I was out of line, and I was wrong. The Academy is launching an investigation, and Sean Diddy Combs tells Page Six that the two actors made amends at an awards after party. If anyone's benefited from Sunday night's Oscar slap, it might just be Chris Rock. Tickets to an upcoming performance in Boston have reportedly spiked. A seat at a table that cost around $330 is now going for up to $450. We're updating those headlines until 1 p.m. Eastern, so keep checking in. Also coming up, we'll tell you how Russia is sneakily using TikTok to promote its agenda in Ukraine. WebEx is driving hybrid work by ensuring almost anyone, almost anywhere, can be seen, heard, and have the ability to contribute equally. Learn more at webex.com slash hybrid work. It's the end of an era at FedEx. The delivery company's founder and CEO, Fred Smith, is stepping down in June after half a century. COO Raj Subramanian will take his place. Smith founded the company in 1973 to deliver small items faster than the post office could. It has mushroomed since then, especially because of the rise in e-commerce. Uber wants to partner with taxicabs in its hometown of San Francisco. According to the New York Times, Uber is in talks with Flywheel, a taxi hailing app. The deal has a few hurdles to clear, but it could mean that San Francisco riders could summon an old-fashioned taxi via the Uber app as soon as May. Uber announced a similar deal in New York City last week. 
MIT is bucking the trend against standardized tests. It announced Monday it will once again require SAT and ACT scores for applicants. The requirement was suspended during the pandemic. The school claims that the standardized tests help it identify socioeconomically disadvantaged students and assess the academic preparedness of all applicants. The gender pay gap has closed for young women in 22 cities across the country, including New York and L.A. On average, women under 30 there now earn as much as or more than their male counterparts. That's according to census data analysis from the Pew Research Center. But don't get too excited. Researchers say historically the pay gap widens as women get older, get passed up for raises or have children. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear challenges to a California law that mandates better living conditions for pigs. Prop 12, which passed in 2018, with over 60 percent of the vote, says any pork sold in the state must come from breeding pigs that have at least enough living space to adequately turn around. That's right. It's unusual for factory sows to be able to turn around. Pork trade groups argue that since California imports most of its pork, the law unfairly targets out-of-state suppliers. As you know, Dave is out today, but he left us this interview, so we wouldn't miss him too much. Here it is. The next frontier for fake news might be TikTok. When Russia launched its war on Ukraine a month ago, the Kremlin turned to one of the most popular and newest social media apps to spread propaganda. Kieran O'Connor studies information warfare on social media at a London-based think tank focused on political extremism online. And he says TikTok is about to face a major disinformation scandal, just like Facebook. Yeah, we've seen reports that Russian influencers are being paid. Uh, it's, it's not 100% on who is paying them, but uh, so goes the reporting is that there are scripts online, there are central narratives that are shared, and this is ending up on TikTok, and this stuff is, is staggeringly popular as well. And the main claim is that uh, Russia has entered Ukraine to denazify the country. Uh, the other example that you see time and time again are claims that President Zelensky has fled, fled Kiev and gone to the, the west of the country, left Ukraine. And you see these kinds of claims uh, put out by uh, accounts linked to state-backed and state-affiliated news organizations like Sputnik, like Ria Novosti, like Russia Today. That's so interesting. The invasion of Ukraine has been going on for over a month now. So what has TikTok's response been? TikTok's response was, uh, first of all, quite slow. Uh, If you look at RT on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, very normal thing for now to see a label that says this account is run or linked to a government entity. TikTok had no equivalent and it didn't add these labels to Russian state and Russian affiliated accounts until the weekend of March the 4th after the invasion had begun. Uh, They only bought Russia and state-backed accounts after a directive from the EU uh, forced them to. Now lots of these accounts are blocked in the EU, but we are still seeing this this get true. So TikTok is owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance, and you write that the company has to toe this very delicate line addressing politically sensitive issues while also balancing the interests of Beijing. So where does ByteDance stand in all of this? Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. To be honest, uh, TikTok as a platform would have been seen to be slow 
in responding to Ukraine and whether or not that was upon the pressure of its parent company, we simply don't know. Uh, but it certainly does have a lot of questions to answer in terms of its response to Ukraine. Uh, TikTok themselves take uh, an approach that they don't see or don't view their platform as, as something that is used by political entities or political groups or used for politics. They don't offer uh, political advertising, for example. But what this kind of research shows and what other research continues to show is that TikTok is being used by uh, political organizations, political figures, but they still seem to take a kind of approach that, that, that denies this. To take a step back, as a researcher who investigates information warfare, what needs to be done? What needs to be changed? Part of the problem for researchers like myself is that TikTok does not offer uh, an effective way for, for data access, for, for accessing uh, content at scale on the platform. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube offer these kinds of tools that allows you to analyze and conduct research with Facebook data. TikTok is no equivalent, and that means that I can certainly show you and tell you how uh, Kremlin-backed sources are using TikTok, but I can't tell you the full scale of this because simply we don't know because we haven't got the tools to tell you. And we often see what we call an enforcement gap. So platforms will have uh, detailed uh, community guidelines, detailed policies in place for dealing with misleading or deliberately deceptive disinformation on their platforms, but when you actually look at the content or look at the trends around certain key events or key incidents, you can see stuff that is clearly in violation of, of community guidelines. And really narrowing and closing that enforcement gap is something that all platforms, not just TikTok, should, uh, should seek to address urgently. And for the individual user, just the next time that I'm going on TikTok and just scrolling through my For You page, what sorts of things should I be on the lookout for? Uh, the, the common advice for all of this kind of stuff is that content or, or information online that seeks to, to get a reaction out of you, particularly anger or fear or these kinds of emotions, uh, it's important just to take a step back and just try and consider the source. Where is it coming from? What is the claim? What sources are being cited within the content as well? And essentially, just think before you share. This is all super helpful to know. Thanks so much, Kieran. Thank you very much. Kieran O'Connor is a disinformation researcher who studies information warfare on social media at the Institute for Strategic Dialogue. That's it for now. Check back for the latest headlines anytime through 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm Rebecca Ibarra. And I'm Carrie Donahue. Talk to you soon. 